I spent over a year loving this man into a place of security and emotional balance. And I think that I started to build those foundations of love and belief within him. But then all it took was just one argument to just bring all of that crashing down. All of the work that we had put in into building this very loving, safe foundation almost felt like it was just taken, it was pulled. Hi all, and thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Open House. We're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all, because we believe that you can truly experience life advancement without having to spend thousands of pounds on -on one-on-one therapy. We believe that happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. If you love this episode today, please do share on social media and tag us at Open House Life, as well as tagging Dr. Tari and I now into the episode and it's a juicy one. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode with me and my incredible co-host Dr. Terry Mack, clinical psychologist and celebrity relationship expert. So if you are new to the podcast, we have just had an incredibly successful series on attachment styles. So episodes 38, 39 and 40, we looked at the anxious attachment style as well as the anxious avoidant trap. And in episode 41, we moved into the avoidant attachment style. Today, we are going to round up the foundations of the attachment series by looking at the potentially overlooked attachment style, I would say. And we're going to ask Dr. Terry why that is, whether it's because it's less frequent or whether people just talk about it less. And that is the attachment style that is called the disorganized attachment style. So Dr. Terry and I laugh a lot because I, for some reason, think it's called the confused attachment style. (laughs) I don't know where I've got that from. I'm really not sure. But I think that that's probably a good entry point because this is quite a confusing attachment style to have because it has multiple components in it. So Dr. Terry, I'd love it if you could give us a little bit of an intro overview of what is the disorganized or confused attachment (laughs) style. Yes, the disorganized attachment style is also called the fearful avoidant attachment style. And people with disorganized attachment styles have often experienced abuse in their first three to four years of life. That isn't always the case, but disorganized attachment comes from inconsistent responses from our caregivers. So sometimes our caregivers could be responsive or they could be withdrawn or withholding, or they could be abusive and belittling and critical and scary. And so essentially people with disorganized attachment get triggered by distance, when their partner is distant, they feel lonely, they want connection, but they also get triggered by closeness. So when a partner comes close to them, they get scared because in their experience in childhood, relationships hurt. People that are supposed to be safe hurt them. So that's why it's called the fearful avoidant. This whole attachment style is run by fear and it's a fear of emotional intimacy and closeness and a fear of abandonment and uh, distance. Mm. So it is confusing. People with this attachment style are 
confused and people who date this attachment style are confused. I think that this attachment style is less well understood. So let's take me for an example. There have been a couple of times when I have thought, oh, maybe I am fearful avoidant. And I'm going to tell you why I thought that, because I think that other people might have gone through that. So I definitely relate with the anxious attachment style. And we've spoken a lot about that, about how that's like a big part of my personality and the way that I attach. So when I'm in a relationship, my anxious attachment style kicks into place. But when I'm single, I feel like I am more avoidant in the way that I date. So let's say, for example, I either don't date or now's not the right time or I'm busy at work. Anyone that can't see me, I'm doing the little quotation marks with my fingers because what we've learned since doing this podcast is that these are always either limiting beliefs or excuses that we are often putting in place, holding us back from ultimate intimacy. But I would feel Um, avoidant when dating. So a couple of times I thought, oh, maybe I'm fearful avoidant. But actually, since we started prepping for this podcast, and even what you've said already on the podcast today, is it's that element of fear, and fear of abuse, or fear of something really painful happening that isn't just abandonment. And I think that's a fascinating delineation for me, because it's helped me to understand, okay, this is not the attachment style for me, because those things did not happen in my childhood. I do not have the ultimate fear that anyone is ever going to hurt me physically or emotionally. And so I think that is just already a really valuable part of the episode. And I think that taking it one step further, when we have had these discussions prepping for this episode, I've realized that I have dated a man with the disorganized attachment style. And he went through some episodes of abuse as a child. And I think that we definitely live in a society where still we think of abuse as being like big, violent, alcoholic parents or very violent marriage of the parents and whatnot. And he didn't have either of those things, but he grew up in a family that definitely had a very violent angle to it. And this is definitely a really sensitive story for me to share. But I think that there was a point in our relationship when my anxious attachment style kicked in so badly, like my fear of abandonment before I went to therapy, that when he tried to leave me in a moment of ultimate like stress and upset, I lost it totally. And I remember I was like, running towards him and I was like grabbing him I was like don't leave me don't leave me and that for him in his mind was like like an act of violence it was like a lot of emotional violence and it was a very stressful situation now I look back I can see that the whole dynamic of the relationship just shifted in that moment I think he said that what happened there even though you weren't violent with me quote unquote was an act that was so triggering for me that it's almost tainted the love that we have together. So I think my question for you is for these people, they sometimes can hit the point of no return, that the love can be beautiful and they can have that underlying fear that something bad is going to happen. And then if something does happen, is it, do you see people almost being like, I'm out, I can't do this. Love is unsafe. Love is abusive. I'm gone. Or do you see them a little bit more conflicted? I'm really hurt by this, but I also really want to love you. It sounds like a very complicated place for people to be in. It is. And I think it could be either of those things, depending on the situation, the relationship or the person. 
but people with disorganized attachment are going to be triggered by things that for some of us, we won't understand. Like I said, it could be like something that you just described, maybe a moment of like high emotion or neediness or touching, like clinging, and that triggers someone in the way that it triggered your ex. It could also be that emotional closeness where they open up to you or they feel so close to you. And that's going to send them into fear mode as well. Also, people with disorganized attachment have problems with self-regulating. They have problems communicating and asking for what they need. So they often act out as well. They push people away and then they want to get them back. They draw them close. They push them away. They try to get them back. So like I said, it's a very confusing relationship for people that are dating someone with disorganized attachment because the person with disorganized attachment before they start the healing work is very confused. They do not understand why they're getting triggered so often by things that maybe securely attached or even anxiously or avoidantly attached people wouldn't get triggered by. They get triggered by everything around the spectrum, the closeness and the distance. Wow. So there's us anxiously attached out here thinking that we've got it stressfully. And then these guys have it probably even more so. I guess with the anxious attachment, when you're close, you feel safe in that moment because it's like, oh, I've got this intimacy that I need to make me feel regulated. But then the disorganized, they get that and they probably feel for a few moments better. And then the fearful or the avoidant part kicks in, which is like, no, this isn't safe. I'm going to push away. It's a difficult one because what I found with the ex of mine that struggled with this was that my love for him and the love that we shared together was almost redemptive initially, as in it was so loving. I don't think that he had ever or could ever really feel that he was lovable. And I think that I started to build those foundations of love and belief within him. But then what I found was that if I would then be critical about anything and then verging on being highly emotional and that one more physical incident, that felt like All of the work that we had put in into building this very loving, safe foundation almost felt like it was just taken. It was pulled. I spent over a year loving this man into a place of security and emotional balance. But then all it took was just one argument to just bring all of that crashing down. So I guess my first question for you is whose responsibility is this? to work on it. It is each person's responsibility to heal themselves. You can't love somebody into health. You can't, because I know I'm a psychologist and so many people, myself included, you included in our past have tried that. That has been our belief. And so we've gotten a lot of feedback from people that are, they don't like this idea that they can't love somebody into a secure attachment style. Like with any attachment style, it does not work that way. And when you're trying to do that, you're abandoning yourself. There's a lot of people that have been triggered out there on TikTok this week by Dr. Terry and I's commentary on, particularly on avoidant attachment styles, interestingly. And I think on last week's episode, Dr. Terry said, you fundamentally cannot have a deep, healthy and fulfillingly loving relationship if you are not working on your avoidant attachment style. But that isn't just aimed at the avoidance. It's the same thing if you're anxious. If you have an anxious attachment style, you are never going to reach 
deep safety, communication, contentment, if every five seconds you are panicking that your partner is gone off with someone else, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a reminder across the board that whenever we're talking about attachment styles, we are talking about them from a place of compassion. And yes, the responsibility piece is huge. It's for the person with the attachment style to take responsibility and take action. Now that does start with awareness. And I think that's where the partner can come in. We always say that relationships are the deepest healing vehicles for us because they bring up our wounds and they bring up all of the things that maybe we weren't having poked when we were single. I think I've got a very interesting question here, which is that this one perhaps stems back to some slightly deeper attachment trauma as a child. So with the anxious and avoidant, we've said you can start this with a conversation. You can just say, hey, I think there's dynamics going on in our relationship. Do you want to chat about it? Now, in hindsight, with that relationship that I told you about, I was not well equipped to deal with the abuse that my ex-boyfriend went through. And so I got him into therapy, but I also tried to help him. And looking back, I just shouldn't have done that because I think I probably made things worse. So if someone is listening to this and they have a partner that has gone through some abuse or very stressful dynamics as a child, what would you advise them as a clinical psychologist? Where should they start? The first thing would be if you can try not to have big reactions to your partner who has the disorganized attachment, then that creates more safety for them. However, that is not your job to suppress all your feelings and reactions to caretake your partner. So you also need to have really good boundaries within yourself and you can communicate with your partner about what the experience of the relationship is like. And of course you run the risk, how they're going to interpret that. Is it going to trigger them? But the only thing we are in control of is our truth and speaking our truth in a kind and regulated way. And then you have to let it go and see what happens next. And ultimately, if your partner who has disorganized attachment is not willing to own that and look at that and start some work on that, the relationship will not change and will not move forward. Yeah, I think it's really important to just have that conversation in a regulated way. So yes, you shouldn't be having to suppress your emotions all the time just to keep the peace. That is the opposite of what we talk about here on this podcast. But I do think that in moments when you want to have potentially sensitive conversations, I think coming into it from a regulated stance is such a good piece of advice. And it's something that I also think that you as the deliverer have to work on. So I don't think that I have had the sensitivity in my past relationships to come in very calmly around these things. I think I would have the conversation at a moment when I felt triggered. The old me would push because I want an answer to the question. And I'd be like, I want to have the conversation now. Whereas now I know that in that moment, it is not always the right time to have the conversation. So I will often either just, you know, sit with it. And then later I'll bring it up and say, Hey babe, so you know, earlier when we were having that conversation, I didn't really feel like you were engaging with it, but I think it would be a really valuable conversation for us to have. And he's always open to it. And then we have much more productive discussions. So I love that piece of advice around coming into it at a regulated time and in a compassionate way. Yes. And I'm so glad that you used that example because it's so typical of us who have anxious attachment styles. It's like we push, we want the answer, we're dysregulated. But the truth is that is bad boundaries. 
if somebody doesn't want to talk about something, isn't ready to talk about something, and you're not respecting that boundary, then you're the emotionally unsafe one. So you have to respect where your partner is at. You are allowed to have feelings about it. Wow. But you can't reach over and pull someone over the line if they're setting a boundary there. It's not okay. That is fascinating. And I think that this is also something else that I've dealt with is that I always used to think, oh, I'm such a good communicator. I'm such a good communicator. Let's talk about it. No, let's talk about it now. You don't want to talk about it? Oh, and now looking back, I'm like, wow, that's the anxiety that's driving the fact that I need to have the conversation now because I can't sit with it. And then the old me would also have shamed you if you weren't able to meet me where I was and then be like, oh, you're so bad at communication. Actually, no, like that was all very unhealthy behavior for me, but I wasn't even aware of it at the time. And I think that awareness piece is critical for all of the attachment styles, but potentially, particularly for this one, because there is a lot of damage that this person might have experienced in their childhood. So it's for them to work on, but to approach it compassionately and at the right time and softly and sensitively. I think that's another piece of advice that I've learned that not everything has to be like a crazy intense discussion, like straight away. You can just have a little bit of the discussion there at dinner. How do you feel about this? Have you ever done your attachment style, et cetera, et cetera. My question for you is, We also want to know everything about our partners, right? We want to know everything about their childhood, particularly when we're anxious. We want to share everything. Like, this is the trauma that I went through. Tell me about your trauma. Mm -hmm. And I'm very open with my trauma. And I think that I expect others to be too. So let's talk about when you are first in a relationship. I feel like some people don't want to open up. And I understand why that is, but I also personally feel that it's the opening up and the intimacy and the connection that is the foundations of a beautiful relationship. So how do you navigate that when you're getting to know someone? If you know someone that has something that they're either withholding from you or you feel like they're not sharing their full self with you, do you push? Do you wait? What's the therapist's advice on that? You don't push because a huge part of any healthy relationship is respect. And it's funny because I I made a TikTok that I haven't posted yet, but it's about this anxiously attached people feel like we're the loving ones. We're doing it. We're paying attention to the relationship. We want to talk about things. But the truth is that's not the only way. And the other piece of that is respect and meeting somebody where they're at. And just because you have a need to know doesn't mean they're ready to share. Mm. And people have different levels of comfort with sharing their stories, their history, their feelings. Sometimes the intimacy is it takes me a while to open up to someone. It takes me a while before I really want feel like I want to do that or before I trust someone. That is intimacy. That is opening up. Really, there's another person in front of you that is completely different from you. And you have to want to get to know them and respect their pace too. Yeah. Actually, what I've realized is you don't have to share any trauma with anyone until you trust them with it. You have to feel safe to share those stories because I think one of the saddest things that I find about relationship breakdowns is that 
when they leave, they take all your secrets with you, all their stories with you. And hopefully if they are a kind, caring, regulated, respectful person, your stories will always stay with them and it won't go further than that. One thing that I've learned is that this last four months for me with my new man has been a slow opening and there have been things that even like this week or last week that I've only just shared now four months down the line Mm -hmm. so yeah I love that around don't push but also when you feel ready and that you feel the other party is a safe party to share with that that can help you build that intimacy but boundaries are everything you're so right yeah and there's a big difference between being open and being vulnerable Like a lot of people think they're really vulnerable because they're open and they share everything that's happened to them. But vulnerability is when you're scared to share something, when you're uncomfortable to share something, that's when it's vulnerability. And that really does take time. You want to save that for people that you trust. Oh yeah. Wow. That is so true that actually the vulnerability isn't just the talking about your story. It's the talking about the parts of the story that are still painful for you or shameful for you. That is, yeah. Wow. That is really revolutionary. So bringing it back to disorganized attachment, I think if you are in a relationship with somebody who has a disorganized attachment, patience is going to be the key. And that doesn't mean that everything stays stagnant and you're in this constant push and pull in the relationship. Again, your partner needs to be aware of that and be working on it somehow, but you're going to need a lot of patience. There's going to have to be a lot of trust built over time. And that's okay. I think for people who are anxiously attached, we have these beliefs that if everything happens quickly, then we're safe. But that doesn't really work out. It's that slow burn, that slow foundation of friendship built over time, shared experiences together, witnessing how somebody responds to us in all different kinds of circumstances where real trust and friendship is built. Really interesting. I'd love for us to just dig a little bit deeper into patience because I think it's also relevant to all of the attachment styles. Whatever you are on the receiving end of or whatever you are dealing with yourself, the concept of patience is important. But what happens when your patience potentially turns into making excuses for people? Mm-hmm. So say, for example, if I just love them a little bit more, then they'll feel safe enough to open up. Or they'll be different when, I, when we have kids because they don't want to be like this with the kids. What can you do and what can you say to another person if you feel like you are being patient, but they aren't moving? Is this something that you think people should be considering ending a relationship over what do you think yeah that isn't being patient saying he'll change when we have kids that's delusional that's not gonna happen so yes you always have to be checking in with yourself right where am I at in terms of patience is this still feeling aligned for me and you can be patient if somebody is actually working on themselves which means they can take feedback they are doing something to change these patterns, talking to a therapist, working with a coach, reading books, talking to you about what they're learning about. Mm. But if none of that is happening, they're not working on a damn thing, to be honest with you. I love the way that you've just summarized those things, because I think that there's often this misconception that you either have to go to therapy to work on it 
or that's it. But actually, you're right. Reading a book, even watching TikToks, you know, starting to understand a little bit more about where's this come from? How does it show up is really important. And they're just bullet points there that people can say, am I doing these things? Like, am I doing the work? And is my partner And if the partner isn't, then I think we need to not be making excuses for them. Because like you said, this is never going to change and it will not be the foundations of a very healthy, stable relationship. No. And the answer then is not to push your partner and keep having the same conversation over and over again. It's to ask yourself, why am I still here? Okay. And so for the people that are staying around and the people that are making excuses and for the people that aren't working on it or accepting a partner that's not working on it, what are your thoughts on that? Where do you go from there? Yeah. Instead of focusing on your partner and trying to force them to change, which will never work, you need to ask yourself, why am I still here? Why do I continue to make excuses? And why am I abandoning myself in this relationship? It's obviously not working for you. Yeah. And what are the some of the key reasons that you see people staying? Is it that they don't think that an attachment style is the worst thing that could happen? People saying, oh, they're a good dad, but, or they're a good partner, but, or they don't cheat on me, but what kind of things do you see in your practice around that Why do you stay and why are you having so much patience, which is not actually patience? A lot of it goes back to that unconscious attraction. So we all have familiar roles from childhood that we keep playing out. So when we choose somebody who's avoidant or disorganized or anxious, and that doesn't work for us, we're just playing out a similar role that's never going to work for us, but we haven't realized that yet. There's also a fear of being alone. There's people that have learned the transactional love model, which is I have to earn love. I can heal someone. I'm the caretaker. That's another similar role. And again, that's why I do the love assessments because it helps you understand why you keep choosing the wrong people and staying in the wrong relationships. There are fears and beliefs that are running these patterns. Yeah. Because it's hard to be honest with ourselves and say, This isn't working for me because we often get scared. We're not going to find another relationship when we always do. It's just that we need to find a different kind of relationship. You are so right. I feel like there's always a lot of people that are staying in something, not realizing that they could be happier in something else. I guess one of our key wrap up points on today's episode is exactly that. If you are tolerating someone else's attachment style that is bringing you unhappiness in your relationship, it is not being driven by love. It is not that you are staying just because you love them so much. It's also being driven by something deeper, something that you've been taught in childhood that has taught you that you need to fight for love or look after love or accept a non-communicative, not telling you when I'm coming home drunk and not calling you love, all of these different things. So if that is something that you and your partner are looking to really just get to the bottom of straight away, I would definitely recommend doing a love assessment with Dr. Terry. She saves you months of months and months of couples therapy just to really get to the bullseye and say, hey, this is what you learn and this is why you're acting this way and this is what you need to break down. And we will also be launching courses very soon on how to navigate through this. And a big part of this is the communication piece that people say to us all the time. How do I say it? What do I say? What words do I use? How do I not offend someone or how do I not hurt him, but tell him how this is hurting me? Communication is a big part of what we're going to be developing and delivering over the coming months and something that 
I think I feel most passionate about is communication. I feel like if the whole world communicated more and without judgment and with love, I think we would be in much healthier relationships. So yeah, if you are struggling with this, it's being driven by something deeper. So if anyone is struggling out there with um, disorganized attachment style, I really hope that you can seek therapy. I know that with my ex-boyfriend going to therapy was revolutionary for him. He didn't even realize that he needed to despite having gone through significant childhood trauma. And Dr. Terry, I don't know if there's anything that you have to say to wrap up on disorganized attachment style or patience or why we stay with attachment styles that are not helping us flourish. I want to, again, make the point that no matter what attachment style you have, it's not your fault. I'm not saying anybody is unlovable, but our attachment styles are one ways that we often block love without meaning to and make it difficult for other people to love us. So whatever your attachment style is, unless you're one of those amazing securely attached people who also exist, love yourself enough to look into it and start doing some of that healing so that you can have access to the love that is all around you. There are safe people who want to love you and Mm -hmm. you want to learn how to let that in and not keep it out. It just takes one person with my ex-boyfriend. It wasn't until I really showed as a friend, because we were friends before we were together, that I really care about these things that you've gone through. And I really want to talk to you about them if you want to talk about them, that he then realized, oh, hey, some of this isn't normal. And oh, hey, people care enough to stick by me whilst I'm going to go to therapy and to work through this. So just find that one person, that one friend and maybe just open up the dialogue very gently and take it from there. Great advice. Amazing. Okay. So thank you so much for everyone listening again, please. If you took value from this, we would love it. If you could share it on your story, tagging Dr. Terry and I, and also review us on Spotify and Apple. That would be amazing. If you also want to sign up to the open house mailing list that can be done through the website. So you'll be the first to know about everything that Dr. Terry and I are working on planning and researching in the background right now. So as ever, thank you so much. I feel like we've done a whistle stop tour very quickly in today's episode but I'm so grateful for all that you bring to this episode you are a wisdom of knowledge and we are so lucky to have you so thank you and I will see you next episode thank you we're lucky to have you too oh love you. you bye bye